Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I am Jeremiah Johnson. We are on part three of a series called In Quest for Truth, In Quest of Truth by Pastor Ron Blavelt. He's been with us on the past couple episodes talking about he a, a book he wrote a little while back here, just unlocking the secrets of truth. The premise of the book is kind of bringing truth, science, God all together and just reaffirming our faith in God as believers as to what truth is. Pastor Ron, thank you for being back with us again. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for having me do this. If you don't mind, I, I have a paper that when I do seminars, I hand out to all the people that are coming in. Uh, it just summarizes the whole thing, and that might give us a basic start. It says, if we were to send our young men and women into battle and knew in advance that we're going to lose 80% of them, we would be deeply concerned and would do everything we could to avoid this disaster. Today, we are sending our youth off to colleges where secular humanism is being taught and the theory of evolution is endorsed as fact. The statistics reveal to us that we will lose 80% of our church youth in the first two years, and only a small percentage of them will ever return to church. We must do something about this alarming trend. We've allowed the secular world to capture our youth with their theories and destroy their faith or at least plant a significant doubt in their minds as to the authenticity of the Bible and the teachings they have received at home and church. They become casualties in a battle that we had the resources to win. One of the keys to secular success has been our teaching that it all started in the Garden of Eden some 6,000 years or so ago. I grew up with that teaching. That prehistoric creatures or man-like beings were part of the scientific thought or the imagination of the evolutionists, but somehow didn't fit into our beliefs. This area was largely avoided because we didn't have answers that made sense or ways of explaining it. Consequently, our youth were sent into battle without the resources or the shield of knowledge that they so vitally needed. Why have we not introduced our children and youth to an eternal God who has been here from the beginning and is the creator of all things that have ever existed on our earth or universe? Why have we struggled with prehistoric creatures and man-like beings when God's word declares that he is the creator of all things? These are not the imagination of scientific thought or evolutionary promoters, but part of the creation of God Almighty. Let's endorse them as such and capture the offensive in our quest to save our precious youth. And if people are jumping off the bandwagon now, go to John 1.3 and Colossians 1.16 and Revelation 4.11, which is very specific that all things were made by him uh, from the beginning. Do we really believe that the God whom we claim to have always been would have only exercised his creative powers for such a short period of time of 6,000 or so years? Is he not too big and vast to be placed in such a restrictive box? I'm fully convinced that he is. The God that I know and serve is almighty, unlimited in power, absolutely eternal, and much bigger and broader than I can hardly comprehend. He's ageless, supernatural, and has all the resources to do any and all things whatsoever he desires or chooses to do. He was from the beginning and always will be present for the eternities of the future. As I understand the scripture, he is continually in creating as been his pattern for all the ages. It is to this almighty God that I pledge my allegiance. Pastor Ron, I think... We have done, and I don't, we are not, I know you would not want to bash the church. I don't want to do that either. But I know that statistically, we must be doing something wrong because the statistics show that our young people are, and almost feels like running away from the church after they become young adults. And part of the reason for that is we have not 
help them know and understand truth? Uh, I've had so many in the years. I've been doing seminars ever since uh, probably the late 1970s or early 1980s. I can't tell you how many hundreds of young people have came to me and said, I, I didn't know this about the Scripture. And uh, I've struggled with my faith because I just uh, I just had too many questions, and I, nobody could seem to answer them. And uh, uh, we've lost thousands of our young people who grew up in our churches because they've gone off to secular colleges and uh, they, their faith was either damaged or destroyed there. And, and they, we had the resources for them not to have that happen. Yeah, and like you said in a couple of our other episodes, we've created this nice little cute God box. We've kind of kept them in there. We haven't answered questions. We've kind of just, you know, and then our students run off to these universities where they are, these uh, universities professors are coming at them so hard with anti-truth, with the opposite of truth of God. And they don't have any uh, specifics that they could use to combat that. Right. Because... uh, they grew up, many of them thinking that it all started 6,000 years ago, and uh, they know that, that that's not can't be realistic because, uh, you know, all the scientific discoveries that we've had. And so uh, when you start questioning your faith, and that's what happens to these young people that we're losing, they start questioning their faith. Many of them, after a while of questioning it, they either give up and don't go back to church, or they uh, start uh, believing the scientific world of what they've been teaching. Well, we left off in your book, and we're going to dive back into the chapter, Accepting the Biblical Resource. And a quote here says, Bible-believing Christians also have theories that may or may not be true. And we've talked a little bit about that, that we have theory versus truth, that we have some theories that maybe haven't held out to be truth in the Christian world. Well, uh, one of them, and I've alluded to this several times, is that uh, we've been taught myself included, that it all started in the Garden of Eden. And uh, then we run into reality, and we know that it couldn't have all started in the Garden of Eden unless all the scholars that tell us that that was six or 7,000 years ago and that Adam was the first uh, uh, human-like being here upon the earth, and uh, we see skeletons and drawings of them that uh, say that that isn't true. Uh, Adam is distinct in my thought, in my judgment after this research, as being that one God created his own after his own likeness and in his own image. And he breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Uh, we don't have any way of knowing, but there's nothing to suggest that prior creations may not have been created in the image likeness of God. It was just a, a creation that God made like an animal or something like that. Yeah, the key being what's distinct about us is that we're created in His image? Yeah, we're we're made like God, and uh, we're made with a, a eternal soul. And um, there's nothing to suggest in the Scripture, certainly, that any prior creations to ours, whatever they may have been like, and I don't know what they were like other than just what science tells us. Uh, uh, there's nothing in the Bible to suggest that they had a living soul or were created in the image and likeness of God. Let me read an excerpt from this chapter. We'll move on. It says, Now fast forward to the Garden of Eden. 
Almighty God has destroyed any and all prior creations that may have existed on earth for whatever reason he may have had. Now it is time for him to put order into chaos, time to restore his beloved planet, and time for him to create a man in his own image and after his own likeness. This man must have the capacity to choose between right and wrong and the ability to decide whether he will adhere to making Almighty God his chosen sovereign leader. This man must be eternal if God could develop his plans for the eternities of the future. Thus, he must be given an eternal soul. This is what the Bible teaches. Exactly. And, and that's what distinguishes our creation from any information on any other creation, at least. We don't have any information that would suggest that prior creations to ours were like us. The next chapter is titled, The Pieces That Won't Fit. And a quote that I got out of that one was, you put questions have never been a problem for God for they give him the opportunity to have them answered. Well, I can do that from my own life. Uh, the questions that I had was not a problem for God. I just had to study and research to get the the proper answers. And uh, the, the thing that I noticed more than probably anything in writing this book was I never wrote unless I just felt the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was a wonderful, enriching experience for me the whole time. And I could, uh, we were coming home, my wife and I, from down at Phoenix one day, and I was uh, contemplating writing this book, and we were coming through the southeast part of Utah there, uh, and you see these big slabs of stone out there yeah. in, the, in the just rolling prairies. And I said to Nyla, get a, a pad. I always carried a pad in the car, and, and I'm going to dictate you write what as I do it. And there in a matter of a probably a uh, oh, three or four hours, or maybe two or three hours, she wrote as I dictated. And what was so incredible about that to me is when we got up there, it's it's the beginning of this, of the book. I wrote it down word for word as I had given it to her there. And I just believed that the Holy Spirit gave me that inspiration and I couldn't drive and write. And so she wrote it, changed hardly, probably at the most three or four words in the whole part of that beginning chapter. Hmm. In the book, you said, don't be intimidated by those who may question your effort or try to dissuade you from your goal. When you have discovered real truth and have satisfied your nagging questions, they will still be looking. You're you're going to have people who uh, don't agree with you. Uh, that was one of the biggest challenges I had when I started writing this book, because I felt like I had a pretty good uh, reputation among Christians and so on, those who do be, and, and I think I did, and I didn't want to destroy that. And... Uh, I think that's a fear that a lot of people have of changing what the line of thought is uh, because they've discovered something that, that's foundational to the Scripture, is I don't want somebody to think less of me because I've uh, discovered something that I didn't know was there before. Yeah. You also said, I started this journey by hoping that science and Scripture could somehow complement each other, that they were not two savage bees tearing at each other's throat. Today I'm overwhelmed by how nicely these two elements have gelled. Yes, uh, I, scientific fact, not theory, is not in conflict with the Scripture. Let me say that again. Scientific fact, not theory, is not in conflict with the Scripture. And the Scripture is not in conflict with them. Uh, it's in conflict with a lot of theories, but they're changing. But scientific fact, as I discovered in all these years of research, fit right into the Scripture. Wow. Talk a little bit further. I think one 
at least from being a Christian, one that people might struggle with is you say prehistoric creatures or man-like beings are not a creation of mystical scientific, uh, mystical scientific community or of the teachers of evolution. They are a real and are a significant part of the history of our planet. Uh, I had to come to that conclusion after all of this research that prehistoric creatures were a part of, of the real thing that uh, they fit into uh, the scripture since God has been here from the very beginning and uh, they're not something that the scientific world has created. They've discovered them out there and uh, the one thing that I come from all these years is that the Bible and scientific fact, not theory, but scientific fact uh, are, are not in conflict with each other. The next chapter was others are discovering truth. What, what were you trying to communicate in that chapter? I just wanted people to know that uh, uh, a lot of leading scientists have discovered that that Christ is, uh, or that the scripture and, and the teachings on Christ are are true and relevant. And I have a lot of quotes in the scripture on this. Uh, John Glenn, the astronaut, uh, several others, leading scientists. Uh, one of the scientists, I can't think what his name is right off, but he makes a. a, a well, it's Berkeley Mark Davis, when he's talking in one of the chapters there about scientific theories and so on, he says, in considering all these different theories, he observes, it's absurd how uncertain that all of this is. It concludes that some of the inexplainables are just a God-given condition. Where Where's some good places for people that want to seek truth to find? I mean, we have your the Bible, obviously. We have a book like yours, In Quest of Truth. What are other good good sources and good places to for people to research? Uh, I got part of mine out of the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. Uh, that's a good resource because it's considered quite reliable. Uh, there's other authors that have written uh, on this subject, uh, quite a number of them, and I've read a lot of their books. What I wanted different than this, and that's where the title come from, In Quest of Truth. I wanted to put it down to where I was not starting with a, an idea that was a hard and fast all, but I was willing to take a look at everything and, yeah. and uh, go through it. And that's the difference between this book and any other I've read. Any other book on creation I've read, you know where the author's coming from in the first chapter. Okay. This one here, I put it together. Uh, I, that's why there's a chapter in there on evolution, what evolution taught. And uh, there's one there on uh, scientific thought from leading scientists. And But uh, if you lay it all out on the table, then when you get it all laid out on the table, then you start putting them together and start drawing conclusions. And that's why the book's entitled In Quest of Truth. You said if there is a God, and I have to believe there is, then it would seem reasonable that anything created by him would be in rhythm with any and all facts that could be discovered. And that is so true. Uh, scientific fact, not theory, is not uh, not contrary to the Scripture. Um, they're not mentioned in the Scripture for the most part, but when you study the Scripture and you lay it alongside of of scientific factual evidence, you see how compatible they are. You get to, I believe this is your last chapter, I plant my flag. Yes, uh, in the introduction there, I talk about uh, standing, at the ba- standing at the base of a mountain and looking up there and wanting to plant your flag up in uh, extreme heights. And uh, 
but some people will not want it enough that they'll just go part way up the mountain. Some will go further up, but only a few who really desire truth will go all the way up. And I use that to illustrate, I wanted to find truth. And if it took me 40 years to discover that, that's okay. And that's why I put it in a book so people can read it and not have to go 40 years of discovery that I had to do in order to arrive where I'm at. Yeah. In this uh, kind of getting towards the end, page 152, again, these were things that really kind of stuck out to me. You said fossils show earliest, uh, earliest us human habitation 14,000 years ago. On our ranch up in Nebraska, we had a, a what we call a clay pit. And we would dig in that to put it in the bottom of bottomless tanks to keep them from leaking, that clay. And uh, up alongside there in the sand hills of Nebraska where all the hills were sandy, you dig into here and you dig this clay out and it would be full of little seashells. Hmm. Uh, you knew there was a time when this earth was very different from what it was now. And uh, there was a time when apparently oceans or, or huge lakes or something with seashells in in them there was deposited in that clay bank there on our ranch. You get into Wyoming and there's so many uh, uh, discoveries out there that they've made and I've gone to some of them and some of the digs and so on and discover these things. It's nothing like anything that we read about in the scripture or that uh, we have become acquainted with. Uh, you have to get into the study of what they are and when they were and so on and that helps you kind of put some things in perspective. In page 164, he said, there are billions of people on this earth and you are the only one out of those billions with your distinctive DNA fingerprints. I had the privilege of speaking to the youth of the church here uh, several weeks ago. And I mentioned that you're the only person, uh, while talking to youth, I said, you know, sometimes youth, and I've worked with youth for 16 and a half years, they get thinking if I was just as pretty as that one or as smart as that one or something else, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything would be all right. And I said, you're not supposed to be. You're a distinct person. Uh, the scientific world tells us that every one of us has got a different DNA factor and no one's the same. And so you're unique in God's plan and you need to allow God to develop that uniqueness. You say, goodbye to my doubts and hello to excitement of my tomorrow as I anticipate that knowledge is not finished and truly will always survive. I'm still studying. I'm still researching, even though I've written a book and so on. If I was writing another book or adding to this, I've got more research that I'd put into it. Uh, the more you study, the more you discover. It's kind of like digging in, in the ground in a fossil place or something like that. The deeper you dig and the more you dig, the more you discover. And that's the way it is when you start studying. And then the very last chapter, I guess, here was Darwin's last act. What was that? That's uh, an account that uh, is written about him uh, into what happened in his last days. Darwin was uh, had some serious health problems. And he was uh, started out in his early life to go to seminary, a Bible seminary. But then he met a guy that kind of directed him away from that, and he got into writing this theory of evolution. And according to his own autobiography, which he wrote himself, he was amazed that people would pick up on this theory with such a small amount of information to back it up. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the theory itself it doesn't have any validity to it. So at the end of this book here, Pastor Ron, God is still God. He's still truth. 
only he's a whole lot bigger than he's I bigger. thought he was. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still created in his, in his image. Right? I'm his chosen creation. I'm created to know him. I mean, really, those essentials of our faith hasn't changed. It's just kind of all this stuff culminates together to enhance our belief and our foundation in God. What I uh, have appreciated the most through the years of doing these seminars is uh, literally hundreds through the years of teenagers and college students and so on come up to me and say, this is the first time in my life it's really made sense. And uh, I like to think that I have contributed to people's solidness in their faith by the research that I've done. And, and if that's the case, then it was really worthwhile. Yeah. What's your concluding thoughts here for us? I put it in my favorite, uh, favorite quote out of the, of the book. We will put into place a scientific building block, and then we'll marvel as the Scripture wells it into place. Wow. Well, I know I, as I finished this book and I read through it, Pastor Ron, I was, there's a, really, a lot of things that you presented I had never considered as a Christian. I have never struggled in truth. I've never had a point in my Christianity where I've been like, oh, I don't know, is God true or evolution? Maybe that's right. I haven't had that particular moment. But yet, I don't think I've looked deeper into God in some of the ways that you presented some of this stuff. And like you said, it did. My faith wasn't shaken; rather, it was enhanced. And I have a greater confidence that my God is the Creator God; that He's the one true God; that He's in control. He has always been in control. And he's bigger than I've ever thought He would be, and He's probably going to keep revealing that. I truly believe that when we get to eternity, it's just going to be layer after layer after layer after layer of greatness we've never encountered before. When you start thinking about the future and you start uh, reading the scripture about the new Jerusalem and so on, uh, it's pretty hard for us to fully fathom it. Yeah. Uh, so the more you know about the past, the uh, better you understand it, the greater your faith is in the future. And you look at our world, uh, like you said, you go to, I've had the privilege of traveling to these places in Utah, the Rocky Mountains, the out west, other countries in our world, and you see the beauty and the intricacy of that which God has made by his word, by his hand, I can't imagine what eternity is going to be like. Well, the Bible speaks of the New Jerusalem having 12 foundations. Each one of them is different, uh, uh, significant gemstone. And uh, kind of uh, amusing, it talks about the gates, there's uh, th three gates on each side, 12 gates, and they're each one a solid pearl. I've always just in jest said, I'd like to see the oyster that that one come from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I hope this little three-part series has been thought-provoking. It's been challenging, and I hope it pushes you towards truth. I hope you have your own journey of a quest for truth, your own quest for truth, if you will, whether it's reading this book or other thing. But again, I hope it pushes you closer to God and, and expands your view of him. Any last words, Pastor Ron? What's that? I said, any last words for us? Uh, just, uh, I'm grateful that God has given me the opportunity to spend a significant part of my life uh, trying to discover who he really is. Amen. And, and you keep searching that out as well. We're so grateful that you've joined us for this episode of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Listen to the other two episodes regarding the In Quest of Truth with Pastor Ron Blavelt and check out his book, In Quest of Truth. You have to get it from him. Give them your info one more time if they want to get, get the book. 
Yes, they can call me on my cell phone. My number is 417-310-3315. Or they can write me at my home, which is uh, 18665 Highway 96 at Carthage, Missouri. And uh, we'll, we'll work something out so I can get a book to you. Yes, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>